Hello and welcome to the Hippocampus podcast, a place where we discuss the strategies that help optimise learning. So join us for some grassroots conversations where we share some practical tips and insights that might just make your learning journey a little easier. In this episode, we discuss how to get the most out of your lectures, thinking about what you can do before, during and after to optimise your learning. We also share insights around balancing note-taking during lectures, the penalties of distractions and the myth of multitasking. So let's join the hosts, me, Sophie, Elliot and Gaia, who are all medical students, and Lisa, who's a lecturer at the medical school. Okay, so welcome back everyone. How are we? We're good. Very good, thanks. We're at a a slightly smaller number of hosts for this episode, aren't we? But lots of really valuable things, I think, to share. Lectures. You have quite a few of them, don't you? Certainly the early (laughs) stages of med school and university. So it warrants a whole episode, I think, just to to talk a little bit around how how you can best prepare and get the most out of them. So we, we thought we'd approach this with a kind of before... A lecture during a lecture and then think a little bit about the after the lecture and sharing some sort of practical tips and insights. Let's start with the before then. You know you've got a lecture scheduled, you know what picks on. What do you guys do leading up to, to a lecture? Oh, the dreaded pre-reading, <laughs> ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what do we mean by pre-reading, just in case there's those that aren't familiar? Well, for me, the pre-reading would just be flicking through the slides seeing what I didn't understand and he really didn't understand like words I didn't understand and have the slides downloaded for instance at Leicester we've got iPads we have this all the slides on our iPads you don't want to be trying to download lectures in the first five minutes of lecture and then you're behind straight away so for me pre-readings just downloading the slides flicking through how many slides it is what am I going to be learning and is there anything that looks completely alien to me well, for me, pre-reading, uh, well, at Leicester especially, we get set like a couple of things that we we can or we don't have to do it, but it's advised to do. That could be like filling in a little worksheet or doing some reading on a website that's been recommended. But personally, I like to watch videos uh, around the topic, but I watch them at two times speed because we really can't be bothered to watch a 15-minute video and sit there. But I think it summarises to say, for example, we're going to be learning about the reproductive system, like the female reproductive system. There's always going to be a YouTube video out there that's going to summarise it. And at least you get you you're familiarised with some of the vocabulary, the terminology that's being used as well. That's the key, isn't it? It's just kind of like getting used to terminology, the way things are going to be phrased. You can look up things ahead of time, so you're not scrabbling to Google in a lecture. I think sometimes one of the the challenging things with the preparatory work is certainly as the semester progresses and time starts to become yeah. even more restricted, is is how you manage to keep up with that. You almost sort of feel like you're chasing your tail. Have you, have you got any sort of suggestions for? for how students can kind of maintain that habit of some preparatory work before a lecture? I think, first of all, look at the time of your lecture. So, for example, in first year, our lecture was from 9 to 11, like two back-to-back lectures. It's in the morning. So unless you want to wake up in the morning and do the pre-reading, go ahead. But I think it's advisable to maybe the night before. It, you don't, it doesn't have to be strenuous. I think if you think of it as a chore, it seems quite uh, stressful to do, but just do it like after dinner. Just have a flick through the slides that they've been uploaded and do it the night before. Or if your lecture's in the afternoon, you can do it that morning. So that's something that I try to do. I didn't spend hours and hours because I knew that I would spend 
more time maybe reviewing it afterwards. So mm -hmm. I just spend about half an hour or so. And I really intensely go through things that, that were new to me. Yeah, that's what I pretty much do. Keep it quite light and easy. Yeah, and I think if you get in a habit of just spending half an hour every yeah. day, then you remove the habit from self-negotiation. Whereas if you're <laughs> thinking, oh, on Monday, I'm going to like read for two hours about the topic sporadically once a week, you're not going to do it. So mm -hmm. the best way is just to get into the habit of doing a tiny bit, even if it's, you know, I'm going to download the slides every day, the day before, then yeah. you can easily build a habit of reading, watching a YouTube video, reading a chapter in a textbook before. You just got to start little and then you can look to build on it if you think you're not doing enough. That's a really key point, making it a habit and also find a way that works for you. So I, I'm a morning person. I know I'm not going to do the pre-reading in the evening because I'm cooking dinner, then I'm watching TV. But I do know that I have a 10 minute train journey into uni and I can get there a bit early, sit with a cup of coffee and, you know, do the pre-reading then. So I think um, a bit of trial and error, but find when the time is that you're going to do it and make that like a non-negotiable thing. It's scheduling that into your daily routine, isn't it? And I certainly would say with, with the incoming students and our um, students that are going into, into second year where, you know, because of current circumstances, a lot of timetable activities will be occurring online that it's really important to make use of some form of diary or some form of planning what you do with your day and stick to it until it does become habitual because it will be very easy to lose track of things to you know yeah. have other things eat into your time if you don't make the space for that preparatory and consolidatory work yeah i think that's a really good point lisa because after university closed this year the easter holidays then we came back for online learning with the stroke week mm. before the yeah. stroke week i made a timetable of all the, the group work the lectures that we had and try and do them close to the time as they were released or supposed to be done as possible so you've got to just it, it's it's not much when you just break it down and and plan it over mm. five days monday to friday i sometimes think of just planning as like a nine to five working day especially mm. when we're not obviously we're not in our clinical years so think about okay we wake up in the morning do a bit have lunch do like a extracurricular activity or something to relax and then you do a bit in the evening and you can fit it around your schedule as well discipline and the routine takes time to kind of kick in especially with online lectures and stuff it's so easy to be like oh I'll just do it next week I can have a holiday <laughs> yeah but I always think of future me what would future me say <laughs> um <Love that. laughs> if I don't want to be near the times be like oh man I wish I just sat and did that at the time that I was supposed to do it so yeah just think of your future self and plan accordingly <laughs> otherwise you just might be stressed out don't always rely on feeling motivated to mm -hmm. get a task done you know because inevitably there'll be things yeah. that affect your level of motivation at a particular time of the day or a particular time of the week it comes down to sort of almost a self-discipline doesn't it uh, yeah. in terms of this is what I do for this amount of time at this point in the day and I'm just going to sit down and do it whether mm -hmm. I feel comfortable or ready to do it or not and usually it's that initial starting phase that's the most difficult I, th I think yeah. once you kind of get into something your, your motivation starts to rise slightly yeah I think it's easy to build up in your head as well like oh I've got to do the pre-read I've got like, 20 textbooks that the lecturer's listed off or something that, that doesn't really happen nobody panic but um, <laughs> don't feel like it's this massive task you know break it down make it small chunks and um, don't do it all if you can't get that done prioritize and don't beat yourself up if you don't get it done the pre-reading is just to trigger some brain cells to get you going with that topic 
Uh, but you're going to be learning it anyway. And I guess you can come back to it afterwards. But getting into that habit is a thing that we're really trying to encourage everyone to do right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as you've done something. Yeah. And as you were saying, Guy, you know, finding a, a, a YouTube clip or a video that maybe mm-hmm. just touches a little bit on the topics that, that are going to come up in the lecture can just be such a useful use of even five minutes of your time. For those schools, medical schools, universities, where perhaps you don't necessarily get the lecture slides provided to you ahead of time, you should have some information provided to you in terms of what the the outline of the lecture is and, and maybe some intended learning outcomes associated with that. So use that to direct some of your own preparatory activities if you haven't necessarily got, got the slides to hand. I, I say that in terms of pre-reading sometimes being the hardest aspect of, of maintaining as you go through the semester, it's actually such a helpful preparatory activity for getting the most out of lectures and also building up your understanding across a module. Now, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of educational theory, but, you know, when obviously coming at this from perspective of, uh, of a lecturer, but also, you know, I'm still a learner, still learning things every day. There is a lot that goes for coming into a lecture with some understanding of the material at hand even if it is just a case of writing down a few definitions of words which is what you were talking about Elliot wasn't it flicking through the slides seeing where the lecture is going to go with this topic and writing down any definitions on words that might be unfamiliar and and the, the way of sort of framing this is you know when you think about the nuts and bolts of how we learn parts of the brain we use when we're learning our working memory or sometimes called the short-term memory is the thing that if we're learning anything new it has to go through that working memory and unfortunately, that's got a very limited capacity and it's very easily overwhelmed when we've got new information coming in. And you've probably all experienced that feeling, feeling of being overwhelmed and completely lost, uh, you know, in a, in a Multiple lecture. Multiple times. Yeah. Multiple times. You know, that's, that's, that's the manifestation of your working memory capacity being uh, exceeded. And that affects your attention then. You know, I think we can all speak to the fact of, of struggling to maintain focus and attention and, and feeling cognitively exhausted sometimes with, with topics that are yeah. introduced in lectures. You know, so if, if you can do certain things that just free up a little bit of working memory capacity when you're in the lecture, you, you've got more brain space to listen to what the lecturer is saying, make sense of it, connect it to things that perhaps you, you already know. You know, whereas if you're in a lecture and it's the first time the topic's being mentioned, you've not had any sort of prior insight into, you know, what the terms mean, what, you know, where the lecturer is going, your brain space is partly taken up by that. And then you very quickly can lose track of what the lecturer is saying and not necessarily get the most out of it. So it's kind of doing as much thinking, you know, small level thinking in terms of the lecture topic ahead of time, just optimises the brain capacity to take in what's happening during the lecture. So coming into the lecture then, normal would be perhaps going into a lecture theatre with uh, several other hundred students. Current context may be that that's in a virtual online setting, but I think Mm -hmm. some of the principles and insights that you have from face-to-face lectures will very much apply to how you're approaching virtual lectures with obviously some slight caveats. What are you guys doing when you're sat in a lecture, when it starts? And in the zone. (laughs) (laughs) Mental preparation. I'm I'm there with my hot chocolate and my Kit Kat ready to take in all the information. I I like to take a mini hot water bottle in with me, really just get hunkered down. (laughs) I wish I was joking. Do you really really have hot (laughs) That's so cool. I didn't know that. It's cold in that lecture theatre, you know. Actually, Um, it is kind of cold, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now thinking about it, I do wrap myself warm, like in my coat and my <laughs> blanket scarf in the winter. Anyway, anyway, back to, back to Sorry. the main point. Sorry, it's all right. Me. It's all right. 
when when it's actually going on just try and make some brief notes if I feel it's necessary or annotate any pictures. I think I'd do this similar thing as well hopefully if I've done the pre-reading I have to admit it's not all the time but I try to you get a general understanding of what's going on and you don't there are different types of people in a lecture theatre there's people who just sit there and they're just chilling they're absorbing it all and you sit there and wonder how (laughs) yeah or not or they're just zoning out because they had a crazy night out and you got people who write down absolutely everything either way when I look at these people like when you just peer over and you see the other iPads in the room you're like oh my gosh what am I doing wrong what am I doing wrong so ultimately I just write down the key things that I think are important maybe if there's like a physiological process that needs that I think I need to understand I won't write it word for word but maybe use arrows to kind of link some words together get that process done well I think originally I fell into the trap of looking at the slides and then if there wasn't something on the slides that the lecturer said just write it down so I felt like I (laughs) spent the lecture like thinking is that on the slide no I have to write it down I think you've got to work to process what's already there how it links together but Originally, I don't think I really did that. And I do feel like it, it does vary between the lecturer and the lecture slides as well. So true. Some lecturers, there, there's loads of categories for the person attending the lecture and the lecturer itself. But you get some lecturers who just like diagrams and they use a diagram to explain stuff. Some lecturers using filling in the blank, yeah. uh, which is we really keeps useful. Keeps you awake and <laughs> exactly. it brain, yeah. failure lecture though, did it go? Oh, <laughs> oh, you're never going to oh, live no. that down. Oh, what? What episode was that? Was that episode one or two? Episode two? two episode two. If you've listened to episode two, I get completely slits, violated. <laughs> but I get violated. You? <laughs> yeah. And Lisa does as well. I get bullied. <laughs> Lisa likes filling in the blanks, so it keeps everyone on their toes. Along what Guy was saying about how uh, different lecturers are variable and what they use in their slides and how they present ideas, I think it, you've just got to get used to what you're expecting when you go into a lecture. You might have different approaches for different lecturers and that's not a bad thing as long as you have thought about it. Yeah. We see it a lot and I'm sure you see it a lot from the student perspective that there are those students that try and write everything down, you know, particularly mm. those on the keyboard with a laptop, you get that ominous... It's so annoying. <laughs> it stresses me out. Um, <laughs> and um, what would you, your advice be to them to, because it's hard to, to sort of say, no, you don't have to write everything down. How, how do you tail it back a bit? I, I would just say you've got to be really critical about why you're doing it. So are you doing it because as you type, think about what, what's being said and you're processing things and trying to uh, gain an understanding? Or are you making them so that in two months time there'll be resource for you to revise from if it's neither of those things then it's probably not a good idea to be typing away for an hour-long lecture if you're like concentrating so hard on everything they're saying writing like almost a script down of what the lecturer is saying you don't have as much brain capacity to be processing what they're saying our brain's busy concentrating on typing away you're not actually engaging with the content and thinking about it which is what actually makes you remember things at a later date absolutely You've got to pay attention to something to to learn it or at least start the process of learning, haven't you? And there is a a myth really that humans can multitask, but actually we we can't. We're rubbish at it. What we do is we task switch, you know, so we focus on a, a task in hand and our brains all geared up for doing that particular task. And then if we start to switch to a slightly different task, we kind of have to reassemble how our brain is thinking about things to then engage in in this this new task 
that has a time penalty. You know, it might only be a matter of you know less than half a second, but it's a, a little interruption how your the efficiency of how your brain's working. And if you're jumping between different tasks, or whether that's trying to write everything that the lecturer is saying and listen to what the lecturer is saying at the same time, you can't actually do those two things simultaneously. You're actually switching between the two very rapidly. You know, there's a lot of research on the effects of that on learning and that there's penalties to, to multitasking when it comes to learning. One, the time penalties. If you're doing that multiple times during an hour, it, it adds up. And that includes quit looking on your phone or quit look on social media when you're in the midst of a, of a lecture. That's a, mm. a task switching. The second thing is it actually affects the accuracy then of what you're learning. So it can actually cause you to mislearn something. Again, if you're doing that multiple times, you're potentially introducing lots of inaccuracies in your learning over the course of an hour you can challenge yourself as to whether you really think you can multitask if you're having a conversation with someone while driving a car if you're driving on a route that you're very familiar with your driving is pretty much automated you're not really having to think about you know changing gear and you're doing with the steering wheel so you're you've got the mental capacity to have a, a pretty detailed conversation with your friend but you compare that or contrast that to when you're exploring a new city or a new town this will only apply to those people who obviously can drive but as soon as you're having to think about where's my next turning or this is an unfamiliar junction, you have to tell the person next to you to shut up. You can't engage in a proper conversation with them because you can't do the two things. You can't give things that require conscious effort and cognitive efforts. You can't give those two things your attention at the same time. You know, in the lecture theatre, think, are you actually doing stuff that is derailing your attention onto things that are going to be potentially harmful for your, for your learning? And the other thing that, this feeds into a little bit something that you mentioned Gaia about how slides might be presented slightly differently depending on who your lecturer is and some subjects may lend themselves quite nicely to lots of pictures the thing with we talked about cognitive load and you're interested in you know a little bit more around that the chap called Sweller is is the guy that kind of coined the, the theory but there are slight workarounds in terms of working around the, this limited capacity of, of working memory when we take the world in or learn stuff around us, we process it either through our eyes visually or through our ears, mm-hmm. don't we, for the most part? Yeah. And actually, you can do both of those things at the same time. So you can look at a picture while someone's talking about it and you can actually process the information simultaneously without it overloading your cognitive you know, capacity. What you can't do is listen to two people speaking at the same time and pay full attention to any one of them. You, you kind of almost yeah. flick between the two. It's like, oh, I'm here listening to you That's now. So but... <laughs> and where this relates to lectures is that when you're reading, now think about when you're reading a book. I don't know about yourselves, but when I read a book, I'm re- that's my internal voice that's, that's reading the book. Oh, I love and that. And that's processed through the same sort of auditory hearing stream as when you're listening to lectures speak. So this same restriction you get this bottleneck in being able to process information so when your lecturer is talking if you're reading something or writing something you can only process one of those two things at once you can only give one of those two things attention at one time and more often than not the student myself included will be focusing on the reading of something on the slide or the writing of something down at the expense of actually then hearing fully what the, what the lecturer was explaining so you can't read something and listen to someone speaking at the same time and pay attention to both of them. You've got to 
pick one or the other or task switch, um, which we've already said has penalties. So the, the more you can free up your brain and your attention to listening and making sense of what the lecturer is saying, and less time on writing down lots and lots of information or reading the slides for the first time because you haven't perhaps read them before, the more difficult it is going to be to get most of, of what, what the lecturer is bringing to the lecture. Leading on from what you just said, Lisa, do you think with lectures being online for, I think, until Christmas, uh, do you think it's a good idea for students to use the pause button on lectures if they're taking notes or want to think about something? Or do you think that's the small end of the wedge in terms of slowing you down and um, opening up the floodgates for distractions and things like that? I think that's a, a really, really good question because when when something is pre-recorded, it's like when you can listen to Panopto. So Panoptos are a recording software, so students can go back and listen to the whole lecture again or parts of it. When you've got that facility to pause things, I think it introduces that feeling that you're going to stop every five minutes and write everything down because you can. Mm. Whereas if the lecture was live, you're forced, aren't you, to annotate and take notes in a way that is allowing you to keep up with the pace of the lecture. Uh, and therefore that benefits you in terms of actually the notes that you are taking, you paraphrase, you summarize, and therefore you're doing something with the information. My advice would be you press play and approach them as if they're a live delivery. And if you come across something that you're a little bit uncertain of, just put a little asterisk. If it requires quite a considerable coming back to and re-listening and do it at the end. If it's a short sentence or something that you just literally is a pause and a rewind as a, you know, the matter of a few seconds, then fine. But don't make that how you approach your, your pre-recorded lectures because a 15 minute, 45 minute lecture will end up becoming an hour, an hour and a half to, to get through. Yeah. And then there's, that's less time than you've got to actually consolidate the information and apply it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if yeah. you're spending two hours pausing and playing a one hour lecture. Also, the, the flip side of that, what about um, watching lectures at 1.25, 1.5, two times two speed? <laughs> Good idea, or do you think, are you going too fast to think about things? I think it's, it's a very personal thing, isn't it? The key thing is, can you keep up with what's being explained? And does it make sense to you as, as you're going along? And if that still happens by going at 1.5, two times speed, then fine, go with it. Whereas if you're just going through it at that speed... To, get to try and type yeah. up everything as quickly as possible, then that's probably not effective. You, you want to be really hearing what's being described, really trying to yeah. make sense of it, adding your own annotations to, to the slides where perhaps something that the lecturer said that is important isn't necessarily written on the slide. I think that's a good thing in terms of the virtual online recordings is that you can run them at a faster pace if that's what you can keep up with. Shall we kind of like summarise in a way, like the do's and don'ts in a lecture? So from what Lisa said about the science behind it all, what are things that we think that people should do in a lecture? Well, I think that if you're aware that you can only really concentrate on one thing, if you understand that, then you'll not take out your phone during a lecture. You'll not check something yeah. that you, it's unrelated to the lecture content. You'll understand that if you're writing, you can't listen. Exactly. And I also think you should be uh, flexible in terms of how you approach each lecture, depending on what you're learning is it just anatomy? Are you talking about a condition? Um, because not every method is going to be the same. You have to be fluid, flexible, because it's going to always be changing. I think you have to accept that now. I think um, a top tip I would have as well is put your phone in your bag. 
yes. like, underneath your just feet. Just remove yeah. the distraction. It's so easy. Like sometimes, I'll, I don't know, I'll be expecting a text off a family member or something, you know, like a legitimate excuse to maybe have it out on the side next to you. But then it's so easy to just pick up and get distracted by something else. And then you think you've disengaged for 10 seconds, but it's actually been a minute. You've lost what the lecturer is talking about. Um, it costs you the whole lecture, can't it? If it really you, can. Yeah, lose, it can. If you lose just two minutes, it, it's really hard to get back into what what's going on. So You don't need no. your phone. No. Yeah. It's not a necessity. You're not cool if you're not listening to the lecture and <laughs> scrolling. <laughs> on I feel like that's a kind of a thing as well. People just sit in there like, oh, really can't be bothered don't have that attitude that's a don't be positive in the lecture if you're confused don't let it um bog you down because there's going to be a way out and as we said last week struggling through something is a, is a good way to learn things you know you'll you'll, exactly. you'll remember it longer if you've uh, say there's something you didn't understand in the lecture it forces you to think about it more and you'll probably remember it more in the future mm-hmm. also i think if it if it helps you to think of it this way think of it as like the most expensive movie you're ever going to see. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you're paying so for these lectures, essentially, at the end of the day. You, you need to get your money's worth out of it. So don't waste your time scrolling through your phone or chatting to your friend next door. Yeah. Actually engage yeah. and see what you can get out of it. Yeah, there's yeah, a definitely. time and a place for all of that, the socialising. Not mm-hmm. that you can't socialise at university, but you might as well spend this one hour, make it productive, really focused so that you are able to come out of it and be like wow even though I'm still only 50% of it I'm glad I concentrated and was able to gain as much as I could from that yeah Yeah, I think we're going to talk about it more in future but um, about flashcards so Mm. I think a lot of people think oh if I get my flashcards done during the lecture then that frees up time to study them and I tried to do that at the start of second year and then I just realized two things that I, I didn't have an understanding so I was just writing down very basic facts Along the same idea, I was just writing things that in the future I would understand anyway without even having to make a flashcard for it. I'm sure we'll have a full episode on on flashcards, but I think you've got to be quite critical about the use of flashcards in lectures. But I know some people that do it and they, uh, they, they manage fine, but I think you've just got to think what making the flashcard, you know, are they going to be good quality flashcards? And is it detracting from, you know, Mm. my listening or my understanding anyway? The thing with the flashcards is obviously the creation of questions. And um, there's a recommendation that Sophie will talk to of an approach that you incorporate as part of your preparatory or pre-reading activities, which is kind of formulating some questions that you might have about the topic you're going to listen to on the lecture and kind of have them framed in your mind when you go in. You know, you've got these these questions in mind and you're hopefully going to get the answers to those as you as you go through uh, through what the lecture is saying. I, I think a lot of the learning from flashcards comes from being able to formulate the questions and under, understanding a certain element of the material and being Definitely, able to flip yeah. it round into yeah. a question. And I don't think you can do that real time in a lecture. I mean, I see some people doing it and I, it gives me anxiety. Fair <laughs> <laughs> play to them if they can, but I just, I think yeah like Elliot said you're just doing like quick fact recall that you probably remember anyway I do sometimes do flashcards with a lecture but I assess it I don't do it for everything something where I'm like actually I I think I'm able to listen and formulate a question at the same time but if it's too if the topic is too complex and requires a lot of understanding I'm like you know what today's not the day gonna have to do it when I get home (laughs) 
like I said, I've said this so much, so many times in this episode, like flexibility, being fluid, being adaptable. Just don't just stick to one method. Um, yeah, just try evaluate a lot of, it. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, think, exactly. Oh, you know, what, what doing this is, is it costing my understanding, my time, or, you know, just evaluating things is... It'll okay. take time, won't it, to, to sort of settle into what works for you. You know, I, I, I think it would be very unreasonable to expect anyone who's fresh into higher education to come into a lecture and have it perfectly fine-tuned as to how they how they're going to approach that process yeah it's a bit of trial and error isn't it and Mm -hmm. like I say hopefully giving them some heads up of things that will certainly make things easier and optimize what they get out of the lecture is useful to have early on I think okay so we've talked around some of the aspects then of of in in lectures and and what you can do and that balance between not absorbing yourself too much in in writing everything that the lecturer says and you know that affecting your ability to pay attention to 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 other aspects and removing all distractions i think for for students that do have things like laptops and ipads in face-to-face situations there's always the the opportunity on those sorts of platforms isn't there to sort of dip onto some sort of uh, i don't know shopping page or, or something <laughs> you know this may not be the case with with watching some of the, the pre-recorded stuff there's the opportunity to kind of disconnect your, your your ipad or even your laptop from the internet just while you engage with you know a, a recorded lecture that might just be another way of helping to prevent those of tempting distractions yeah you can also get um website blocker software as well so you can like block social media on your on your laptop or your ipad for a certain amount of time you might feel silly doing it but it's for you it's for the best it's It's for future you guys yeah yeah yeah. there we go it's for future you (laughs) i think you call things like that is is a ulysses contract where it's like yes you're doing something that um you know, I can't remember what the exact definition is, but it's basically forcing your future self to do something. Yeah, like for example, when I'm revising, I put my phone in another room and I've been doing yeah. that since I was uh, studying for my GCSEs. Like it sounds silly, Great idea, but yeah, yeah. It just... it's, the only, yeah, it's the only way where I'm like, oh, it's what is it? Out of sight, out of mind. Out of mind. That's literally, <laughs> yeah. that's literally what it is. There's actually um, been some research as well, I think, on that to say even if your phone is off in the same room, mentally you're still aware yeah. of it there. Yeah. So you can still, yeah, yeah. And, I would, if I was thinking of something, I would just turn yeah. it on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I have my phone next to me. Similar to what you were talking about with the website blocking. You can get apps, can't you, for, for your mobile phones? Mm. So I bought this one called Forest. Oh, I love Forest. Uh, and yeah. I, I've just been felling lots of trees. Um, <laughs> so I've failed miserably at it. One of many types of apps that um, have, have ways of encouraging you to not use your phone for a, a fixed period of time. And this one grows a tree and you set it for say an hour or whatever if you meet the hour the tree's fully grown and it's planted in your own personal forest but if you use your phone within that hour then the tree dies psychologically trying to discourage you but i think uh, your your suggestion of just putting the phone out of the room is probably more effective and cheaper (laughs) yeah it is leicester were fortunate to, to get ipads at the start to first year i made the conscious decision not to download a netflix app anything that was leisure Mm. So that not specifically in lectures, but also at home, I wouldn't be flicking on to just things that anything that's not to do with study, really just no Twitter, no nothing. Even if you got the notifications disabled, you would still, you might still be sidetracked. Click on it. So if you've got like a specific laptop or uh, iPad for learning, then yeah, I would say make a rule to not download anything you don't need. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, so that's during the lecture. Let's go on to the last bit. So you've finished going through the uh, the lectures, whether that's leaving the lecture theatre or the recording finishing. What happens next? Sigh of relief. Nothing. <laughs> uh, nothing <laughs> go to or... sleep. You go home. Go to bed. <laughs> or go to your bedroom and go to sleep. A long day. A long day after sitting down in lectures, not paying attention. To, you've got to go home and relax. <laughs> got to rest and recharge. <laughs> On a serious note, though. Um, what I do is in the lecture, if I'm confused about something, I either put a massive star or like scribble on the page so it's evident. And I go back and I try and maybe listen to that slide to see yeah. maybe if it triggers anything. Not the whole thing. Don't listen to the whole panopto no. unless you <laughs> fell asleep in the lecture. Do not waste your time. I always think of myself as a bit like a lazy learner. This sounds weird when I say it, but I'm trying to learn in the least amount possible but with highest maximum efficiency so it's a weird yeah there we go so in terms of I don't don't want to be wasting my time so I listen back to that slide if I still don't understand it maybe ask my friends Um, but there are other ways as well I would say test your understanding as soon as possible so if like when I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking of all the amazing things you could do after a lecture that I didn't do. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking of some ideas. But anyway, the, if you could ask yourself, just without looking at anything, what was the lecture about? What are the key ideas? And then could I explain it, the basic main points to someone? That's a great starting point to think about things. You can use the, the intending learning outcome outcomes that are usually ascribed to a particular lecture and just rephrase them as a set of questions to help scaffold that initial recall of, okay, what can I remember now? A few hours have passed or a day has passed since I was at that lecture and then sort of build, build from there. I was just going to quickly mention the, the Feynman technique. Basically, so pick the topic and then explain it in as simple terms as possible. What do you know? The guy who uh, wrote about the technique, he said that if you can't explain it in the simplest of terms to someone, you probably don't understand it that well. You can hide behind technical language sometimes, can't you? Certainly things like medicine where there's so many random words. You can just be, oh, yes, yeah. the flexor pollicis longus of the abductus recti femoris biceps femoris. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're throwing words around that clearly, yeah. obviously, don't make any sense. And it's always yeah. whether when you say a word, do you genuinely know yeah. what that word is? Especially especially when we have to get into the habit in, in our future careers about explaining things to people who don't, yeah. don't have the, mm. the scientific background that we do. It's great for your personal learning, and I'm sure it'll serve us well in... Um, future careers definitely Very good point. link to that as well in the, in the show notes about the, the Feynman technique yeah you're not going to be a, a specialist straight away so you've, no. you've got to be yeah. willing to jump in and make the mistakes that attitude can you know it starts you on a good path to understanding you know exactly what you know you, there's a lot you don't know that's that's where you're going to go next to find out what you don't know we talked a lot, didn't we, on the last episode about you're not there to kind of figure out everything on your own. You know, there's yeah. the expectation that you've at least tried to kind of make sense of something. But, you know, where you do struggle on something, you sort of had the analogy of the fumbling around that dark room. There's so many sources of support. You're talking to friends, but also there'll be online discussion boards. So at Leicester, they have Blackboard, which is a virtual learning environment. Other med schools will have something similar. But you can post questions on there anonymously if you if you prefer uh, and they're moderated by the module leads as well as other s- students that can kind of dip in there and, and, and share their thoughts and ideas so th- there'll always be some way of following up 
um, on the content at any point in time after the lecture has happened with either the module lead or other academic staff or other students. Yeah, asking other people about whatever you're confused about, especially after the lecture is really important. And don't be afraid to ask these questions. So, for example, the way our lectures are structured, sometimes we have lecture and then we have a group work session and then maybe a lecture so it's kind of sandwiched in the middle. And there's always going to be someone who's got the same question as you or there's going to be someone who understands whatever happened on that slide. So if you sort it out there and then, then you don't need to worry about it afterwards. Whereas you have so many lectures that are going to happen over the week. If you accumulate all these questions, it's just going to worry you more. I don't know if you guys have seen that meme of, um, oh, I forgot his name, but you know how he goes, just do it. Do you remember? <laughs> Sheila Booth, yeah. That's it, Sheila Booth. <laughs> just do it. Just do it there and then, um, because then you don't need to worry about it after. Yeah. There's nothing worse yeah. than coming back to a lecture like or a set of notes at revision time and thinking I never sorted that query out in my mind like it's one of those things we just spoke about it before you just like put it off and you think like I'm never going to understand that and like just yeah like just get it done as soon as possible really and often as you progress through the semester there's stuff that's introduced later that it builds on previous learning so if you're putting off the previous learning you're just making it more and more difficult to to understand later things you know as, as Guy was saying just just try and do it yeah and if you start straight away most people are going to be at a similar level of understanding as you are so you can build up together whereas you don't want to revisit something ask a question about a lecture four weeks ago and everyone seems to know everything and you've not you've not revisited it and then you just feel like you're so far behind but really just if you spent uh, half an hour an hour after the lecture thinking about it and you would be the same as everyone else yeah mm -hmm. so we said obviously one of the, the important things after the lecture is filling in those gaps making sure that you've understood what you what you need to understand and I, I, you know this is i don't know if there's something that you necessarily agree with but my feeling from coming at this from a, a student and a learner myself but also from sort of teaching is that the real learning is what happens outside of the lecture theatre would that be something that you feel the same about or would like to counter what would your your thoughts be on on that statement 100%. i completely agree with that there's no way that you can learn something in the truest sense of the word in a lecture but it, yeah. it, it happens afterwards yeah i thought when when i started med school i thought you know you just watch all the lectures and then everything would go into your brain and you know that would be it and i'd be ready for the exam yeah <laughs> I've, I've never just watched a lecture thinks, oh, I won't need to look at that again before yeah. uh, exam day or something like that. But I thought, I thought maybe, oh, half the lectures I would understand really well and you know, revisit them before the exam. But I've never, mm. ever gone away from a lecture. <laughs> and I, I will add a slight word of caution as well, is that even if you come away from a lecture thinking that made sense, I understood that. Don't assume that you've then learned it uh, and that that will stick you know, is one of the first sort of steps in actually learning that understanding and attaching meaning to things. But there's a, a whole other number of steps that you have to do to then ensure that that sticks because the, the brain is inherently a, a structure that forgets. That's how it's set up to work. So all the stuff that you're doing after the lecture is to, is to work against the, 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 the brain's tendency to want to forget stuff. Thinking back to like lectures and things that or just general sort of talks. And I thought, wow, that made so much sense. That's so interesting. And then a week later, I want to explain it to someone. I'm like, it was something <laughs> about this thing, but I, I can't remember the details. Uh, and it's so frustrating. But it's accepting that that is natural. You will forget stuff that you don't revisit and, and, and try and work with. 
Yeah, I think uh, sometimes when I think people will know the feeling when you come back to revision and you look at the lectures and you think, oh, yeah, I, I remember being in all of those. And I remember listening. <laughs> yeah, I know that. But I know some of and then you can, you can go to like <laughs> you can, you can go to test yourself or something like that. And then you realize that was quite a basic question. I didn't really understand. it. So, yeah. and you've got to be so careful that you don't confuse recognition for knowing um yeah. you know, so often you can see something and it's familiar so you think oh, i don't need to go over that because i yeah i know it and actually if you didn't have a prompt and you didn't have something immediately in front of you and you had to literally pull that out of your your memory you realize actually you know you know less than you thought you did <laughs> and you don't want that to be at the exam you want that to be as you're going through the semester um you know and plug plugging in all those gaps so a few bits and pieces there in terms of thinking about what you do with your time after the lecture. So filling in the gaps is really important and really getting down to the nitty gritty of starting to learn and consolidate. And we touched a little bit on some of the things that we can do within that, you know, making sure that you're starting to put things into your own words, opportunities to try and explain things out loud to other people, but that you're doing yeah. something with that information. That There's so much more we can talk about in that that yeah. sort of time isn't there Definitely. and I think we will really be picking up on that in a, in a future podcast episode about okay what techniques can you use to start to consolidate and start to retain the, the learning um yep so we we've come to the end of the show now but we just like to throw a few recommendations your way we've got three recommendations this week so we'll start with me this time uh, i found a pretty useful youtube video again you know i love the youtube um <laughs> the youtube i'm showing my age there aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> it's a video by uh, Samuel Suresh and it's about how he takes notes in lectures and um, I think it's a pretty unique perhaps approach to taking notes in lectures and um, a pretty good way to engage with the material um, rather than just passively taking the information in so um, we'll leave a link to that uh, in the show notes. For our Leicester students who will be using iPads because he does kind of demonstrate how he uses his iPad in that in that respect doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think he has a passion for his iPad, doesn't he, Justin? Slightly. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? Um, and then next up, I think we've got you, Lisa Havry. Oh, yes. Uh... Oh, just a, a very short the YouTube video. <laughs> so it's only a couple of minutes, but it's a, a chap called uh, Daniel uh, Levitin. He's a neuroscientist who wrote a book called The Organised Mind. And it's just a little snippet on uh, the sort of thoughts around how multitasking is, is actually task switching and, and the... The, the penalty that the, the, the brain and learning compares as a result of that and how actually it can lead to sort of cognitive exhaustion because uh, we're sort of hyper-stimulated by all these different distractions. Useful just to have a, a little, little listen to that and remind yourself of the importance of removing distractions as much as you can. Great stuff. And uh, finally, Elliot, your recommendation? Yeah, so it's just a, a video on the, the Feynman technique, exactly what it is. Yeah, there's a link to a video, just five minutes, just explaining what that is and why it's such a great thing. Definitely recommend the, uh, the Feynman technique because it's so, so straightforward and very easy to embed, but very, very uh, effective uh, in terms of learning. Amazing. So that's all for this week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review and give us a follow on Instagram at the Hippocampus Podcast. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for future discussion, please send us an email at thehippocampuspodcast at gmail.com. And join us next week when we discuss making the most of learning opportunities in small group work, teaching and learning. 